At Vanguard, you're more than just an investor. You're an owner. That means your priorities are Vanguard's too. So whether you're planning for retirement or trying to save up for your next big adventure, Vanguard will work alongside you to set personalized investment goals. That's the value of ownership. All investing is subject to risk. Vanguard is owned by its funds, which are owned by Vanguard's fund shareholder clients. Vanguard Marketing Corporation Distributor. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. He's the first guy to come out of college where I saw him without a shirt and I said, holy crap, that's me. That's like, wow, I have yet to see a guy that looks exactly like me without a shirt off. And finally, when DK Metcalf and that, that viral bit, you know, photo went around, I'm like, my wife literally said, like, holy crap, that's you. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> that's the a same Carroll thing on Radio Row with Derrick Henry. Okay. Yes. Ah, yeah. Couldn't tell apart. Yeah. Couldn't tell us apart. Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry, served by Applebee's. Happy Friday. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Happy Hour. I'm Connor Rogers alongside of DK Metcalf lookalike and Jay Croucher. And boys, we got big news to start the show. Congrats, Barry. Your starting quarterback is Sam Howell. That's good. Ron Rivera oh, came to his senses. Your long battle's over. You might thank God. Uh, Ron Rivera drinks free here at the happy hour as the commanders say what has been obvious and should have been happening all offseason. Sam Howell's been named the starting quarterback. Remember, Rivera actually, you know, was like, oh, don't count out Jacoby Brissett. And I'm like, I am counting out Jacoby Brissett. I'm actually doing this. Yeah, so Ron Rivera drinks free. He came to his senses finally and announced Sam Howell as QB1. I'm excited to see the Sam Howell era uh, for Washington. You're very high on Sam Howell. Do you reckon top three QB in fantasy, or do you reckon uh, Alan Hurts and Mahomes edge him out? Here's my question. Should we, should we fit him for the gold jacket now, or should we wait till the end of the season? Honestly, I'm just excited because Snyder isn't there. Okay. Like, we're playing with house money. Everything uh, smells Washington, better. Everything smells better. It's fine. I'm excited because with Sam Howell, we've got a chance to do one or two things, and I've said this all along, and this is what Ron Rivera needs to do. This is why you drink free, Riverboat. Like, we need Sam Howell to start every game this year, unless he's not healthy. But assuming healthy, he needs to start every game this year, and either we have a franchise quarterback in a very friendly deal, you know, on a very friendly rookie deal, or he's terrible, and then we have a, a low draft pick next year in a draft, Connor, that's loaded with franchise it's really quarterbacks. Good. It's a really good quarterback draft. Yeah. yeah. Don't tread water this year. No. You're going to be bad. Be really Thank bad. Thank you. That, I want to see either be good or really bad. No in-between. Ron, there you go. Hope that's why you drink free, because we need to, you know. So here's what's, here's what's going to happen, Matthew, is yes, that sir. Sam Howell is going to light up the Arizona Cardinals in week one. Sure. And then we're going to do a little segment on Sam Howell and him being the next, the next coming of Joe Montana. And then it goes at Denver, Buffalo, at Philadelphia. And then uh, we'll find out. some coming down yeah. to then, So then we're one and three. Yeah, yeah. And Sam Howell's <laughs> throwing like five picks. Exactly. And uh, then it's yeah. Jacoby Brissett time. And then you it's go, Jacoby you go Brissett. six and 11. 
six and eleven pick, and we'll have like pick nine, and, yeah. then, and we'll be out of like all the good quarterbacks we got. That's exactly right. Right. Quarterback purgatory. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? We'll have new ownership, so it doesn't even matter. Actually, well, we're playing with house money. I've said this before. I've said this. Uh, I'll say this a million times. It doesn't matter. Snyder's gone. Everything is better. All right, we're continuing today, going through your tiers today, Barry. We have the mm-hmm. tight ends on. And deck. to be clear, these are my fantasy football tiers. T I E R S, not, not my T E A R S that I've had. You know, as a Commanders fan, those those me many years. Very good. <laughs> this is not those kind of tiers. The boo hoo hoo tiers. What do you want from the season? What do you want? You want to go four and thirteen? Or I've you gotten what I want out of the season. Okay, I wanted so. Snyder gone. No. It literally does not matter. In all seriousness, it does not matter what happens this season. What I want from the season is I want a definitive answer on Sam Howell. I want us to be like, you know what? We're good. We've got our guy. You know, it doesn't always have to be pretty, but you're just like, you can see there are moments, you know, like, again, like, um, you know, with Trevor Lawrence, even Trevor Lawrence's rookie year, despite what a disaster it was under Urban Meyer, there were moments where you're like, okay, right? I want to, that's what I want out of the season. I want a referendum on Sam Howell. I want to know whether he is the guy or he is not the guy. I also think it was moronic about the, you know, Chase Young and Montez Sweat. Like, I, I also would like that to be, yep. you know, definitively, yep. uh, you know, figured out. And just give them a fair shot with the rest. get their fifth year. You want a fair shot with the rest as well this year after the Giants game last year. I would like, yes, I would like, yes, I would like the games to be called fairly and evenly. Yes. All right, before we get to the tiers, yeah. let's get into the Roto World player news. Of course, for all your player news, you can go to rotoworld.com. And we're starting off with the Thursday night football reaction here. Obviously, we had a game last night, maybe not a thriller yeah. between the Eagles and the Browns, but the Eagles' backfield. That's what everybody has their eyes on right now, which was led by Trey Sermon, who had the biggest night, uh, both for good and bad reasons. Five carries, 54 yards, the touchdown, and the fumble. And then kind of just a giant mix of guys. Not a surprise here, Barry. Not a ton of work for Kenneth Gainwell over Sean Penny. Yeah, but I honestly, that's to me, that's the story. Like, you know, the fact that Kane, Gainwell and Penny – and Scott were both held out. Swift didn't. Like, tells you Gainwell's in the mix to have a real role. The fact that he got just as many carries as Penny, and it was only two, they each only got two carries, sort of tells you, like, yeah. Like, he's going to be a thing. It's going to be a three-headed monster in Philadelphia in that backfield between Gainwell, Penny, and Swift. They didn't play DeAndre Swift in this game. But that's what that tells me. You know what I mean? Because, again, you know, uh, Sirianni saying, like, ah, well, maybe he won't play. Well, he did play this week. Yeah. You know, like he tried to poo-poo it and then ends up getting the same number of, uh, of carries as, as Rashad Penny. Yeah. Do you know Rashad Penny has the highest yards per carry average in NFL history? He's yeah. 5.7 yards per carry. He's just amazing every time he's out there. Now, I think that in terms of, like, median expectation, like Kenneth Gainwell might head-to-head be more likely to outperform Penny in fantasy this year just because he's more steady. But, I mean, would you rather take Gainwell just ahead of Penny in drafts full stop or would you rather ride the upside of Penny? I think it depends on what, where you are in your draft and what you're, trying to, what you're trying to accomplish. I think there's a chance, I think there's a better chance that Gainwell finishes with more fantasy points than any of those guys because I think he's going to play every game. But he's got no chance to be a top 15 running back. That's right. Yep. That's right. I mean, the, the fact is, is that Penny or Swift especially Penny. Like, we've seen Penny. Like, that, that, you know, two years ago in Seattle, like, the final five or six games, he was the best running back in fantasy. Yep. Like, Penny has top five running back in fantasy upside, as does DeAndre Swift, if they can stay healthy all year and get a decent workload behind one of the best offensive lines in football. The issue is, is that the workload's uncertain because they like to use multiple running backs. Hurts is always a threat to uh, Vulture. And, of course, they've dealt with injuries throughout their career. So that's the concern. Um, 
I like Gainwell the most of the three just because his ADP is by far the lowest. Yep. He's, he's the cheapest of the three. But I don't mind a dart throw on any of them because they all have significant upside. Gainwell less upside, but for his ADP, certainly um, you can turn a profit there on Kenneth Gainwell. Staying with the Eagles offense, Marcus Mariota obviously signed this offseason to be Jalen Hurts' backup after Gardner Minshew had uh, left for the Colts. It's been a tough preseason for Marcus Mariota, coming off a tough season with the Atlanta Falcons. 9 for 17 last night, 86 yards, 3 sacks, an interception this preseason as a whole. Only completed 16 of his 28 dropbacks uh, to pass attempts. I mean, he's taken 4 sacks. It's just hard to have a lot of confidence with what's going on in Mariota right now. For a team that the Eagles, obviously, they prioritize that backup quarterback spot. And on top of this, Tanner McKee looked pretty good for the Eagles last night. Yeah, I mean, that's the concern, right? Is that Jalen Hurts missed two games last year. And because of his his physical style and because he runs the ball so much, he's, he's more of a threat to get injured than anyone else. And so because... All of us here in the world of fantasy have so much invested in Eagle skills players that we're not just the running backs, obviously, but A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goddard, that if anything were to happen to uh, Jalen Hurts, like last year you had confidence. Like Gardner Minshew is a professional quarterback. He's been a starter in this league. He's been good. And, yes, Marcus Mariota has been a starter in this league, but, like, not for long. Like, you know, he lost the job in Atlanta. He lost the job in Tennessee. Like, Marcus Mariota has just, you know, he couldn't get a job in, with the Raiders. Like, like, I'm not trying to pile on the kid, you know what I mean? I, I feel bad, and maybe this is Peyton Manning's fault. You know, keep the cameras away from him. He shouldn't have been part of quarterback there. I, but it is a concern because it's not like – I mean, some of those passes that we just showed you there, if, if you're listening and you didn't see it, like we showed some plays, like he's missing guys by like 10 yards. Close. Like I mean, it's not even like just, ah, the line broke down or he misread a coverage or something. Like, it's just like – it's not – like, it's all mental. Like, he's got the, he's got the baseball equivalent of the yips. Yeah. I'm sorry, the football equivalent of the baseball yips. You know what I mean? Like, he's just – something's going on right. up there. Yeah, Zach Wilson-esque, yeah. Uh, that yeah. montage. I think the thing with, with Minshew is that last year, if Hurts was going to go down, say, in the playoffs, and this is more of a real-life football and fantasy thing, but the Eagles still could have won the Super Bowl with Gardner Minshew because everything else around him was so good and he's competent enough. I mean, Mariota has to be better than what he's shown so far. I don't think it's going to be the Tanner McKee show. Mariota's going to get first crack. And Mariota can provide value with his legs, but, yeah, he needs to throw the ball within 10 yards of people. All right, so we'll be on but watch. It's, but, it's a, but it's a concern. Losing Gardner Minshew, I think, was, was a loss, right? Yep. And, I mean, like, it just... Last year, I think what the number is, and someone get in my ear and correct me if I have this number wrong, but I believe, I believe the number was last year something like 65 different quarterbacks started a game or appeared in a game last year for NFL teams. Like, it was an NFL record. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, in terms of both the injuries and coming in in the middle of games. And so, it just, like, it's, the NFL is a, you know, newsflash, but the NFL is a tough game. And so, it is a little bit of a concern. It's a little bit of a concern. 64 was the number. 64. That's, That's right. You'll be, be better next time, yeah. Matthew. Yeah, thank you very much. And by the way, maybe not. Maybe I won't be better. It's Friday. One, one last note in this game, Austin Watkins like, you know, Jr. It's a Friday. It's still summer. Like, come on. You know, like, let's, We're warming up. Yeah. I'm shaking the rest there. of Whatever. Like, whatever. You, you made I got, it some, Mariotto, I got big... some Mariotto-like plays in me still. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, please. They're not all going to be winners. The only other note from this game, Austin Watkins Jr. has bounced around for two years. Seven catches on 14 targets for 139 yards and a touchdown. So, not a ton of action in this one offensively, honestly. But USFL superstar. That's right. Austin Watkins. Well, it's wide open opposite Amari Cooper. And I think DPJ is really scaring anyone. Cedric Tillman looks great in the first Cedric half. Cedric Tillman. Let's go with Cedric Tillman. Now, I know 
you you guys want to sit here and, and uh, dump all over Donovan Peoples Jones? <laughs> yeah. You know, Good Lawrence, ja- Lawrence Jackson's fourth round pick uh, in our mock draft the other day. <laughs> he absolutely loves Donovan Peoples Jones. Find yourself find yourself somebody that looks at you the way that Lawrence Jackson looks at Donovan <laughs> Peoples Jones. Um, you know, it's what I always tell my kids. Uh, but yeah, I mean, even though Lawrence loves DPJ, it doesn't seem like the Browns do. I'm with you. I would rather take a flyer on Cedric Tillman for a non-Amari Cooper wide receiver. I actually think the second best pass catcher on that team is going to be David Njoku. But uh, I like Cedric Tillman as a late-round flyer. Absolutely. And if Elijah Moore gets banged up, which we've seen before, I mean, the wide receiver depth for the Browns is going to matter a lot. As long as Deshaun Watson can still play at a high level, which we we don't know that right now. That's the other thing here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Third best pass catcher on the team might be Nick Chubb. As well, it's a problem. I, yeah, the Watson stuff isn't good. Doesn't sound good at the moment. And also, just think if if Amari Cooper gets hurt, and you have Deshaun Watson, who's not Deshaun Watson anymore, potentially, and that receiving core, could get bad for Cleveland in a hurry. Could get bad for Cleveland in a hurry. In fairness, though, Co- Watson's contract is fully guaranteed. Yeah, they're only good. on the hook for no, another no, quarter of a mil- a quarter of a billion dollars. <laughs> We'll get into the Browns a, a bit more in just a second, but one injury, big piece of injury news outside of last night's game was at Dolphins camp. Yeah. Their left tackle, Teron Armstead, was carted off the field due to an apparent leg injury. Ian Rappaport reports Armstead does not require surgery and is already questionable for week one. This is a guy that, when he's been at his best, he's one of the best tackles in the league. The problem is the last three years, he's missed a lot of time with a lot of different injuries. And, Jay, he's one of those few offensive line that actually moves the line. Yeah, absolutely. It's a betting line. Yeah. I should say, not the offensive line. Yeah, he moves, moves the offensive line as well. Right, yeah. but, Everything but he's gets an worse. offensive lineman who moves the betting line. He is, and it's largely because of, one, what's behind him, which has not been much historically, uh, and then also just with Tua. Tua's not a guy you really want outside of structure. You want everything to be perfect for Tua so he can just make his reads, execute his throws. Uh, and I just think back to the game against Houston that Miami played last year. Armstead comes out. They take four sacks and ten snaps. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it was just a joke. And so Armstead, he is a guy who can move the line, you know, a point, a point and a half, potentially, given the right matchup and context. And so he is, I would say that he is basically just as important to them as Tyreek Hill is. Because at least you have Jalen Waddle on the other side of Tyreek yeah. Hill. You have other weapons. There's no replacement for Teron Armstead. I don't know that there's a fantasy takeaway from this because, it's, I, you know, I mean, the running back situation is still a little bit of a mess. We're still trying to figure out whether it's going to be Mostert or Jeff Wilson Jr. or Devon A-Chain. And, you know, you're still going to draft Hill and Waddle high. But it does sort of, like, give you a little bit of a pause here about the Dolphins. I'm not adjusting my rankings, but it's just sort of one of those things that's, like, good to know. And maybe, maybe you know, if you're chasing one of those Dolphins running backs, you're sort of like, ah, you know, I'll wait another round and see if they're still there kind of thing. I just, I don't know. You don't love it. There's just some shaky foundations there between the Jalen Ramsey injury, which was already, he's going to be out long term. The tour with the concussions, Toron Armstead, who already you're pretty happy if you got 13 games out of Toron Armstead. And now everything that's going on, I don't know, it feels like it's all kind of teetering a little bit. It's it's tough. I mean, by the way, I mean, again, they they had to start a playoff game with Skylar Thompson last year, the seventh round draft pick. But, um, you know, I mean, I'm a big believer in Mike McDaniel. But this is arguably the toughest division in football yep. between the Bills, the Jets now, and, and we, we don't think the Patriots are going to be bad. Their defense is going to be really yeah. good. So yes, that's percent. why that matters here so much. Yeah. Yep. 
All right. So. We, so during the Browns games, we've seen a lot of DTR, but a lot of the news coming out of camp, of course, has been around their starter and Deshaun Watson, who we briefly discussed just a couple moments before. And the reports are the Browns passing game has been, in quotes, completely unimpressive. That's the uh, this is the athletics Zach Jackson, who covers the team very closely. Anything that involves Deshaun Watson remaining in the pocket has been an adventure this far in training camp. Yeah, I think this is a massive concern, and often you shouldn't read too much into preseason reports, but I think this is the one that's concerning because it's been, what, three years since Deshaun Watson was a superstar quarterback that they're paying him like? And, I mean, at the end of last season, it wasn't so much that, you know, he didn't have a mastery of the offense, which, whatever, that's fine. It's just that he just wasn't executing the throws. He looked like Marcus Mariota in preseason. And if that's continuing, I'm not sure we're just going to get to week one and Deshaun Watson is magically going to be a top-five quarterback in the NFL again. And then for fantasy purposes, I don't really know what to do with the guy because I get the upside where he could absolutely be a top-three, top-five QB in fantasy. But at the same time, there's now there's just the idea of Deshaun Watson. We don't actually have anything to support it. Last year, uh, weeks 13 through 18, those, those games that he played in, that he returned, he was 23rd in yards per attempt out of 30 qualified quarterbacks. He was 26th in pa- passer rating out of 30 qualified quarterbacks. To the eye test, he just he looked bad. And you're right. You're like, everyone's sort of like, ah, it was, you know, there was a lot going on last year, all the off-the-field off issues. Um, he was coming into the middle of the season trying to learn the, uh, learn the offense and everything like that. But it'll be better this year. And, like, but you're right. Like, we, it has been a long time since we have seen Deshaun Watson, you know, superstar quarterback. Yeah. Many, many years. And it's also, it's not like at the end of last year that he was behind the Rams offensive line and had Cooper Cup out. Like, he's behind, he was behind one of the three best offensive lines in football. He had Amari Cooper healthy. He had Nick Chubb healthy. He was in a perfect context to look better than he did. And if, and you get, I get it. You know, you wipe away last year because of the weird situation and him coming in so late into the season and they're pretty much out of the playoffs. But the fact that it doesn't seem to look better yet already, uh, I don't know. I would not be buying any Cleveland stock. At I'm at quarterback nine and I'm nervous about that. And I will be honest with you, I have not, I don't have him in any leagues. Generally, I've been more of a earlier quarterback. Like I've found myself with a lot of, I uh, found myself with a lot of Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, two guys that I think have huge years this year. Um, and then if not, then I kind of wait longer, and I'm sort of in that, you know, the, the Tua Jared Goff range, uh, and or you know, I'll pick Richardson and like. Right. Deshaun Watson is one of the highest variance players in the NFL this year in terms of range of outcomes. He could be back, right? And by the way, he doesn't have to be a good NFL quarterback to be a good fantasy quarterback because of the legs, right? I mean, like, last year, as disastrous as he was, he was quarterback 16 on a points-per-game basis. Like, he was still middle of the pack last year, even though he was much worse from an NFL perspective. So he can the, – the, the rushing will keep his floor reasonably high. Like, he's still not – he's not going to be a disaster as a fantasy quarterback, but he's got top five fantasy upside. He's also got, like, QB 14. Yeah. Like, he could be Derek Carr. Sure. You and know? here's the thing is that if you're, a, perspective. if you're in a 12-team league, one quarterback, and you take Deshaun Watson as your first quarterback, I'd be wanting to get Daniel Jones or Kirk Cousins or someone in that 13 to 15 type of range because you don't want to go in with Deshaun Watson and then, like, Ryan Tannehill, I think. I think you want a bit more upside. I agree. I don't want to leave a draft with Deshaun Watson being my only quarterback, but I actually would go slightly opposite there. I wouldn't mind pairing Deshaun Watson with, like, Anthony Richardson. If you're in a one-quarterback league, swing for the fences. Upside like, you've got two guys with high variance right there because the Kirk Cousins of the world, well, if Kirk isn't available... 
Derek Carr will be, you know, like whatever. Ryan Tannehill. I like I like Kenny Pickett this year. Like I, I'm I think the Steelers offense is going to be a lot better than people think. Like I think Kenny Pickett is going to be an above average fantasy quarterback this year. Sam Howell. Sam Howell is going to get you 20, 30 yards with his legs and has a lot of supporting cast around him. I think Sam Howell is going to be a better fantasy quarterback than he gets credit for. So, like, there's going to be – that guy will be available on your waiver wire in a one-quarterback league. Yep. No, that's fair. I think if you can get someone like Geno Smith or Daniel Jones, maybe a little bit above that, I would. But, you know, that's just the difference between me and you as men, Matthew. I drive the speed limit. You like to take chances down I-95. Fantastic. A thousand percent. Well, I'm also usually running late. <laughs> yeah. So I got to speed. You got to take chances. Fair. Yeah. Exactly. You got to take chances. But, no, I, I do think G- – we can get into a whole thing, but – Gino is somebody that is being underdrafted yep. because people are thinking, oh, last year was a fluke. It's QB5. It's QB5. He wasn't a fluke. And Gino's even better in uh, leagues where it's six points per touchdown pass. Yep. You brought up Kenny Pickett. Um, one more note here on our player news, and this is staying in the AFC North with the Steelers. We know about George Pickens. We yeah. know about Deontay Johnson, Najee Harris, Pat Fryermuth. They have weapons. But reports are Calvin Austin, a day three pick from the 2022 draft, probably had the most eye-opening camp of any Steelers wide receiver. And if you need even more reason to believe in Calvin Austin's talent, here's Sauce Gardner with our colleague Chris Sims that had a lot of praise for Calvin Austin. Who jumps to your mind as the toughest cover you had in college? So Calvin Austin, you know, the receiver from Memphis. He caught me at a time where I was still getting used to playing corner, you know, me being a sophomore, and I wasn't used to Guard smaller guys, no, but he gave me like the reality check. So that obviously from April 2022, so that was a while ago um, with Sauce and Sims. But with Calvin Austin, I mean, this is a guy that was a state champion track runner in high school. Incredible, incredible speed. He just missed his rookie season mostly due to injury. And this is another weapon in the Steelers offense that – you could say they have a lot of talent, but they don't have a true burning threat like this, a true vertical burner, and Calvin Austin can be that for Kenny Pickett maybe. Yeah, I would just be – I mean, if you want to draft him, take a fly, you're going to get Calvin Austin for free and drafts pretty much. He's but, a waiver guy. Yeah, he is a, he's very deep. But, I mean, just with the amount of guys that are there and Deontay yeah. Johnson and George Pickens and Pat Fryermuth and even Allen Robinson, and I don't I think a Kenny – I agree on Kenny Pickett. I think he'll be better, but I'm not sure a Kenny Pickett-Matt Canada offense is going to support – three wide receivers being fantasy relevant as well as a a relatively premium tight end in Pat Fryermuth. So I think that he's probably going to need an injury to become really fantasy relevant, but certainly one to keep an eye on. He's going to need an injury or he's going to need Allen Robinson just to once again just sort of hit the wall and just be done. I actually – Allen Robinson's sort of interesting to me. Maybe it's like just going back in. He's going to play the slot. Where he's going, like where his size is going to be a real advantage, and you can play a mismatch there. And again, if you're a defensive coordinator, you're worried about Fryermuth, you're worried about Deontay Johnson, you're definitely worried about George Pickens. So I actually think that Robinson, who can win contested catches, he can win 50 50 balls, he doesn't need separation. Like that's not Allen Robinson's game. And again, like he'll be matched. I'm just, I'm not saying you, you go, like, that's another guy who's free in drafts. The Calvin Austin thing, I think, is a better NFL story than fantasy perspective. Um, we were talking on the call earlier, and uh, our producer Damien made this point. I think it was a great one, which is like, you know, like probably best case scenario for Calvin Austin, barring a bunch of injuries, is like Ray Ray McLeod. If you remember him with the Steelers, where they would use him on jet sweeps and they would use his speed, and he was, again, a weapon for the Steelers' offense, but he wasn't a consistent fantasy option for them. All that said, like, if ever there was a team that you wanted to pay attention to when some, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth round wide receiver starts making noise, 
it's the Pittsburgh Steelers because I don't think there's any team in the NFL better at developing wide receivers than the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, a, maybe a good dynasty stash right now there you is go. what Calvin Austin would be. We're going to yeah, take I mean, our first he's break. He's five foot eight. You know what I mean? He's a one seventy. Yeah, in boots. five foot eight, right? And yeah. like with lifts, probably. Like, <laughs> wow. Like when we're back, Calvin we're going to like, very he's like Connor Rogers size. <laughs> a little faster. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Vanguard, you're more than just an investor. You're an owner. That means your priorities are Vanguard's too. So whether you're planning for retirement or trying to save up for your next big adventure... Vanguard will work alongside you to set personalized investment goals. That's the value of ownership. All investing is subject to risk. Vanguard is owned by its funds, which are owned by Vanguard's fund shareholder clients. Vanguard Marketing Corporation Distributor. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Here's your chance to win a VIP trip for two to watch a live taping of the Fantasy Football Happy Hour. Go behind the scenes, meet the crew, and get a front row seat to all the fantasy insights and debates to help you win your league live from the NBC Sports Studio. Enter now at NBCSports.com slash Barry Sweeps. That is NBCSports.com slash Barry Sweeps. To be clear, when we say meet the crew... They're talking about us. Like, it's not going to be you taking a picture with a camera guy. Like, I just I just want you to – and you can meet them. You can, you can meet – we have a – we have a – no, but I'm just – listen. We still have 40 wow. minutes left of the show. Yeah. Right? Kind of, you see, yeah. and you're yeah, like, you yeah, see, exactly. there, this is, important. This is yes. why camera guys are important. I'm not saying camera guys aren't ripping. important. As they uh, – those listening, wow. they just took Savage. a shot of our feet. Uh, I'm just – I'm, I'm not saying that the crew isn't lovely. They are. They're awesome people, but they don't know who they are. I'm saying you're also going to get to meet us, too. This is like, you know, like, hey, like, you go home, what, what, you went to NBC, what'd you do? Oh, like, here's me and a boom mic operator. You, you know, I'm just like, they House want... House of here, Matthew. Everything yeah, you say here you're really, is another you're seeing how many people chest. at NBC can you burn a bridge with and piss off in a matter of one show? Yeah. Well, Pretty let's, impressive. Let's see how you can close let's out. Let's see how I can close out. Yeah. Unbelievable. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Let's get into some tight end tiers. And tier one starts with a man that is clearly in his own tier, and that is Travis Kelsey. No surprise there. He is the only tight end that you will see go in the first round of mock drafts, assuming you're not a maniac in the tight end premium league. I mean, Barry, what else is there left to say about what Kelsey's done in fantasy? The only thing to say about Kelsey is that last year he was 100 fantasy points better than number two, than tight end number two. 50% more points than anyone else. Right. It's it's not that he was the best tight end fantasy. He was the best tight end fantasy by a wide margin, and it's because he gives you such such an advantage at the position every week. That's why he's worth a first-round pick this year. That's the only thing you can say about Kelsey that hasn't already been said. Yeah. I said, well, the one thing I will say about Kelsey, I think oh, another thing to be said is that, uh, So, had, I think he had 12 touchdowns last year. He had 12 touchdowns. Seven of those came in two games. Four against the Raiders. I think four against the Chargers, yeah. three against the Raiders. So, he didn't have any touchdowns in the last six weeks of the season. So, I don't think that Travis Kelsey is just no longer going to score touchdowns. But I think the touchdown production is maybe a little bit unsustainable. 
but he's still the number one tight end by much. What I would say, what Travis Kelsey is to the Chiefs' offense, oh, no, is what our camera guys <laughs> are to the fantasy football oh, wow. happy hour. Irreplaceable. Yeah, good fear. Yeah. Irreplaceable. Show can't go on without oh, yeah. them. Show cannot go on without so, them. Okay, yep. No, Let's like get it. into tier two here. <laughs> and now uh, this one, you know, a little bigger, but not by much. Pretty special group here led by Mark Andrews, followed by TJ Hawkinson, who since his trade from the Lions to the Vikings, it just seems like there's so much more on his plate from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, a thousand percent. So, you know, both guys last year averaging 12.7 fantasy points uh, per game. Andrews, second most end zone targets among tight ends. He was fourth in red zone targets, 28% target share. Oh, by the way, they're going to be a much better offense this year under Todd Munkin. And TJ Hawkinson, if you just look at the numbers, like he was very good. And that was like him just showing up and trying to learn where the locker room is. Like, so now he's had a full offseason to be involved with Kevin O'Connell's offense, to get more familiar with, uh, with Kirk Cousins. And look, we like Jordan Addison. We like KJ Osborne. But after Justin Jefferson, I think there's a very strong argument to be made that the second best pass catcher on that team is going to be TJ Hawkinson. And we know how pass-friendly, fantasy-friendly O'Connell's Vikings team is. So I do think Hawkinson is in that same uh, tier, two with Mark Andrews. Yep, I agree. And also, Christian Darasaw was banged up at the end of last season. He is the best player on that offensive line by margin. So if he's healthier, that should help them. If TJ Hawkinson could just play the Giants every week, because the two games against the Giants, he had 23 receptions on 27 targets. It absolutely lit them up. The other thing with Mark Andrews, too, is that you know if you're just looking through last year's stats, you might forget that... Mark Andrews, like he was playing, but he wasn't right physically last year. Uh, he was just constantly on the injury report. Yeah. Also didn't have Lamar Jackson the last effectively six games of the season. Uh, so I think that Mark Andrews will have a big bounce back and will, will separate himself as, again, as he was going into the last year, the clear guy behind Kelsey. Just like Travis Kelsey, just like a couple of the other guys we're going to talk here, Mark Andrews has a legit chance to lead his team in targets. Yep. Like he, the, the passing offense goes through him or he's a big part of it. And he's certainly always a threat when they get in close to the end zone. So friend of the podcast, Mark Andrews, we agree. He's my number two. I have Hawkinson at three, but I think they're in a tier by themselves. Yep. All right, that takes us to tier three where this, this is where it opens up a little bit. Darren Waller now with the Giants yeah. leads off this tier at number four. We've talked about how excited we are about him and we will expand on him in just a second. But George Kittle, who's kind of been a mainstay in the fantasy landscape at the tight end position for years now. Kyle Pitts, the very unpredictable Kyle Pitts under Arthur Smith. And then followed by Dallas Goddard, of course, of the Eagles' crowded pass-catching group. And I don't mind, Jenny, like, I have these ranked Waller, Kittle, Pitts, Goddard. But if you took Goddard ahead of Pitts because you're just like, I got burned by him too many times, I'm done. I get that. If you wanted to draft Kittle over Waller, I get that. Like, that's why we put these guys in tiers. Like, so this is how I've ranked them, but I think they're all fairly close. They all have things that you can, you're a little nervous about, but they all have tremendous talent and upside. Yeah, I mean, we're only two years removed from Kyle Pitts having 110 targets and over 1,000 receiving yards as a rookie. And I wonder, just watching Marcus Mariota in the preseason, maybe if you should feel a bit better about Kyle Pitts, because maybe he has someone now who could a bit more versatility to actually throw him the ball. Uh, so I think the Pitts obviously has a ton of upside. And then Darren Waller. Yeah, I mean, by the way, we, I mean, we make fun of Arthur Smith for running the ball so much, but maybe like we've seen this, we're like, maybe he's seen this in practice, and Arthur Smith is like, my only chance of winning is to not throw. let this guy throw. It really yeah. makes you think. I mean, it really. I mean, it. I mean, it's. I mean, he's missing guys by ten yards. Yeah. Like it, it. He didn't look like an NFL quarterback out there. No, it, it's weird. Um, but and then what you were saying about Darren Waller? Well, I just think that Darren Waller. I mean, we're what in twenty twenty he had. 
107 receptions, 1196 yards, nine touchdowns. Like he was an absolute monster, and then he just hasn't been healthy That's since right. then. And he's 30 now, so uh, you know I think that he still has good years left in him. And you just know that Brian Dayball in that offense is going to maximize Darren Waller. Well, here's the other thing about Darren Waller, right? So he is—he's a mismatch nightmare. Uh, he led all tight ends in end zone targets per game last season. And I think this is the most important thing when you bring up Brian Dayball. 60% of his routes last year came from the slot. Just like we talked about with Kelsey, maybe Mark Andrews as well, Darren Waller is a guy that has a legit shot to lead his team in targets. I mean, like, he's the best pass-catching weapon the Giants have. And so when you think about Dayball, and especially Daniel Jones, what's he good at? Throwing between the numbers. So I think Waller, yes, he needs to stay healthy, and yes, he's 30, but he's also a guy that isn't 30 in typical NFL years because very well-documented story about, uh, you know, when he was drafted by the Ravens and he had some personal issues. And so there were a number of years where he didn't play a lot of games. And so he is, you know, he has figured everything out. He has righted himself. If you ever get a chance to check out Darren Waller's personal story, it's awesome. It's an amazing journey. He's one of my personal favorite players in the NFL. Just, I love the guy. I've been on his podcast. He's amazing. Um, but from a fantasy football perspective, I do think he was a very key acquisition for Daniel Jones and Brian Dayball and that offense. That's why I have him at four, like I, which is higher than consensus. Yep. I think he's going to have a monster year. Yep, agreed. Well, Saquon Barkley led the team in targets yes. last, last year. year correct. Yeah. So there's going to be targets for uh, yeah, yeah, for non-running backs. No, I just like, I mean, look, whatever. Cole Beasley in this offense in Buffalo and you know got over 100 targets, easy. Like, and all due respect to Cole Beasley, he ain't Darren Waller. Barry, on the George Kittle front, how much of it is a difference going into this year knowing Brock Purdy is the starter and what we've seen them be able to do together versus last year, the unpredictable nature of Trey Lance? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean that certainly helps, right? And there was definitely a connection. I, I, I want to say this is off the top of my head, but I believe that of the 11 touchdowns that George Kittle had last year, seven of them came from Brock Purdy. You know, he absolutely killed Seattle. Um, so that gives you confidence. But it was a weird year last year, right? So again, they made they they went they went through three different quarterbacks. Chris McCaffrey joins halfway through. Debo Samuel is banged up, and so Kittle, who this is why he's so valuable as an NFL player, but hurts him a little bit when you get into fantasy, is that he's a really good blocker. I mean, he's just an unbelievable blocker, which is great. But it just means like because you have so versatile, because there's so many things you can do offensively with Debo and Ayuk and McCaffrey that maybe they keep Kittle into block more, right? Is, is my concern is, like, does he get to 11 touchdowns? Because Kittle has been sort of up and down as a touchdown scorer throughout his career. So that's, again, you have to nitpick at this level. He's my tight end five. Like, I feel like I'm talking Kittle down. I'm a tight end five. But that's why I have Waller over Kittle. Is I'm a little nervous that, I, that this offense doesn't use Kittle as much as they did last year, that because with everyone healthy and now a full season McCaffrey – Elijah Mitchell, you know, I know he's banged up too, but they've got a lot of mouths to feed in San Francisco. Yeah, I wonder as well, because Purdy clearly had a connection with Kittle at the end of the year, where they had, they had seven, yeah, Purdy threw uh, seven touchdowns to him in the last four regular season games. I just wonder how much, like, we forget that two years ago, Debo Samuel was the third best skill position player in football behind Cooper Cup and Jonathan Taylor. Yes. And he never really established that rapport with Purdy because he was hurt a little bit. And then he comes back and he had a monster game in the playoffs against Seattle. And I just wonder if Debo is the guy who... I think Debo is the most talented skill position player on that team alongside Christian McCaffrey. I think he is... He's, I think he's just more explosive than Kittle uh, and then Brandon Ayuk. And I just wonder with a full off season whether they featured Debo more potentially at the expense of Kittle. And we talked about Ayuk the other day. I mean, over the second half of the year or something like that, Ayuk was a top 15 fantasy wide receiver. Again, yep. the Niners are loaded 
which gives you you feel good about Brock Purdy's fantasy prospects just because all he needs to do is just get it somewhere near a guy and they're, they're going to run 20 yards after the catch. In a great scheme. I mean, it's unbelievable, yeah. right? But my point is, is yeah, you know, you discount it a little bit because Kittle's a tight end, so the bar for success is lower. But, yes, there are a lot of – you feel better about where Darren Waller is pecking order-wise compared to all the giant skill players yep. than Kittle, who's got to compete with Debo and Ayuk and McCaffrey for touches. Yeah, Kittle needs touchdowns to provide his value. Let's jump into Tier 4. If you want to wait a little longer on addressing the tight end position, this is kicked off by Pat Fryermuth, who's had an impressive first two seasons for the Steelers. Definitely a rapport with Kenny Pickett. Evan Ingram, who just got the contract extension from Jacksonville after a career season in Doug Peterson's offense. Of course, David Njoku, a mainstay for the Browns offense. Dalton Schultz now with the Texans on an offense that has a lot of room if you're a pass catcher. And then this is closed out, this group, by the steady Eddie of Tyler Higby in the Rams offense. Higby's just being left for dead in drafts. And, I mean, like, they've got Cooper Cup and literally nothing else. And I, I promise you, if nothing else, a Sean McVay offense is going to pass. And given the struggles of that team, like, I think they're going to be down in a lot of games. Like, I just – I think Higby is a value this year. A couple other guys that I want to bring up there, like, you mentioned Njoku. We talked about him a little earlier with the Brown struggles. And certainly Watson's uh, preseason doesn't give you a lot of great feelings. But last year was a really breakout year for David Njoku, who had the second most red zone targets among tight ends. Still the same offense, right? Cleveland fourth in tight end target share last season. They were sixth in total tight end targets. Njoku, a target share of almost 19% uh, in 11 of the 14 games. He's also another guy that's a, just a great blocker. So he's somebody that's going to be on the field quite a bit. And as we talk about competition for targets, we talked about earlier, like, again, I know Lawrence, like, I think Lawrence has, like, a second-round grade on Donovan Peoples-Jones. But other than Lawrence Jackson, we sit here and go, like, after Amari Cooper, there's not a lot there. We like the potential of Cedric Tillman. Right. Much be your right. way. But, but, right, I just I think after Amari Cooper, David Njoku is the best pass catcher on that team. And so uh, – I mean, he's somebody that I, I have him at tight end 10. I think he's a, you know, low-end tight end one. Good player. Yeah. The thing as well, last year, the specific way the Sean Watson struggled, he struggled in a lot of regards, but the specific way that he did is he couldn't throw the ball deep. There was Correct. just no deep completions at all. So tight end David Njoku might be a little bit more protected against that with the shorter intermediate throws. Tier 5, our final tier here for the tight ends, is kicked off by Gerald Everett at 13. Uh, Cole Komet at 14, and then 15, Jawan Johnson. Let's stick with this group of three before we go deeper into a group that has a lot of rookies. Gerald Everett here, Barry, feels kind of like your Tyler Higby argument in a sense that he's completely overlooked despite how productive he could be for the Chargers offense playing with Justin Herbert. I, it's a weird one on Gerald Everett. I think maybe it's because he's a, he's a big name. And also there was that nationally televised game where he dropped the – like he was just exhausted and he made like kind of that boneheaded yeah. play and just, you know, but – the fact of the matter is, is this is a guy who was top eight in the NFL among tight ends in both targets and receptions last year. You think about this offense under new coordinator Kellen Moore. The two years that Kellen Moore was in Dallas, Dalton Schultz was a top seven tight end in points per game over the last two years under Kellen Moore. Everett is a weapon. There is a connection there with Justin Herbert. Yeah, I mean, I'm a tight end 13, but he's one of my, if you sort of punt on an early round tight end, he's one of my favorite guys to get later in drafts. I've said this about tight end for the, for the season. I want to either be one of the first guys in my league to get a tight end. I want to, you know, a Kelsey and Andrews, a Hawkinson, one of those guys. Or I want to be one of the last guys in my league to draft a tight end. 
this is assuming non-tight end premium scoring, because you've got guys like Njoku and Everett that are Higby that you can get late. Yeah, and they're all unexciting, but Tyler Higby last year had 108 targets. Gerald Everett every week just feels like he's going to be five receptions for 40 yards with like a 33% chance at a touchdown. Yeah. And people are going to want to draft Dalton Kincaid in front of Gerald Everett. But Gerald Everett, I think, is more likely just to have the better fantasy season. Yeah, I would agree with that. Jay, how about Jawan Johnson coming in there on 15 before we go deeper into this list? I mean, this is somebody who was incredibly productive in the second half of last season. And now the Saints get a little bit more stability at the quarterback position in Derek Carr, despite this being a crowded tight end room. Yeah, I mean, he's just a touchdown machine, Jawan. Johnson had the seven touchdowns last season uh, despite missing a game. You would like him to have more target volume. He only had 65 targets last year, but I think the underrated thing with the Saints and the reason that you should be buying Saints stock is just their schedule is they play like the three of us every single week. It's absolutely insane how easy it is. So they're just going to be, even if they're not that good, they're going to be in scoring positions so much. And Juwan Johnson has shown that he can be an absolute weapon when you get close to the end zone. Juwan Johnson, over the final 10 games of last year, week seven on, he was the eighth best fantasy quarterback on a points-per-game basis. To your point, he has 55 receptions the last two years. He has 11 touchdowns on those 55 receptions, right? Um, 20% of his catches have gone for touchdowns. He is a touchdown machine. He was a free agent this year. The Saints signed him to a real deal and brought him back. The concerns are they also signed Jimmy Graham, you know, and you're like (laughs) – what are we doing? He's going to get six you know, touchdowns. Well, right, and I was just like... I Not to retire, by we the way. Do, right, Not and we thought, oh, this is nice. Jimmy Graham, he's going to sign a one-day contract with the Saints <laughs> and retire as a Saint. That's right, he should. He's royalty in New Orleans. Oh, no, they want him to play football. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> right, I mean, like, yeah. is, this, is this a, you know... Is this a Marvin Jones? Like, you know, is, is Jimmy Graham the oldest wide receiver in the NFL? I know, you know, that whole thing about he wanted to be qualified as a wide receiver. I, I just... So that's the concern is does he vulture a couple of touchdowns? Taysom Hill, who also qualifies at tight end, he's always a threat as well. We don't know about the health of Michael Thomas um, uh, or the running backs uh, other than Jamal Williams in New Orleans. So a lot is unknown. But I will tell you, Juwan Johnson is a great red zone threat. The Saints paid him real money to have him come back. And randomly, he's a TikTok star. I swear to God, he's got a he's got an account with his wife, and they've got like two million followers. He's got like he's a massive TikTok star, Jawan Johnson. Stock up, Jawan Johnson. Unbelievable. I'm just right. saying for the okay. kids out there that are on the ADP talk, rising like as we me. Speak. I'm on the talk. I know you guys are <laughs> yeah. like whatever, blah blah blah. But for those of us that are in the know, that are in the hip, that are you know on the talk, as we call it, um, <laughs> on the talk, on the on, peacock. Yeah, what can't you do? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's pop tier five. Do you think one they would let time. me shorten Peacock's name? I don't reckon they would. No, I, no. Probably, that one probably doesn't make the cut. I wouldn't have thought yeah. so. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Just give it a nickname. Make it hipper. You know what I mean? Something to think about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Henry? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Looking at the back end of Tier 5 here, Barry, who jumps out? Hunter Henry jumps out to... uh, There we go. Hunter Henry, uh, like, I mean, listen... As you sit here and look at the list, I have Luke Musgrave at 22. I'm too low on him. He, when my rankings update comes out on Monday after all the preseason games, Musgrave's going to jump up. Like, he's getting a lot of buzz, rightfully so. You know me. I'm obsessed with Luke Musgrave this year. I'm also obsessed with Hunter Henry. He's too low on this list. I'm going to move him up as well. Tied for the team lead in red zone targets last year. 76% snap rate last year. Mike Kosicki already banged up. Bill O'Brien likes to use two tight end sets. He likes to use 12 personnel quite a bit. There's a connection between Hunter Henry 
and Mac Jones. I think Hunter Henry has a big year this year. I really do. I agree. And also, he only had the two touchdowns last year, but I can tell you for a fact, that game against Minnesota, he caught a third touchdown. and That, that game yes, reversed. He did. That cost me a lot of money, but that was a touchdown. So he actually had three touchdowns on the year. Also, I'm buying a little bit of a yeah. Mac Jones mini resurgence. Not a renaissance, but just a mini resurgence. Uh, he, nowhere he, to go he, but up. He's been written off. He was... He was excellent his yes. rookie year. Correct. And we're not far enough removed from that to dismiss him. Don't love the offensive line or what's going on there, but I think there was a little bit of upside. They were chance. they were a disaster last year offensively, with, you know, with Patricia and, I mean, like, Joe Judge and, like, what's going on, right? Bill O'Brien, regardless of what you think about his time in Houston as a head coach slash general manager, uh, the fact is Bill O'Brien's a good offensive mind, that he, is, he has traditionally been a good offensive mind. Houston always had a good offense under Bill O'Brien. And I think being able to focus just on this offense, I'm not saying they're going to be great. There's still going to be a conservative offense, right? It's, you know, they're still probably going to be the fourth worst offense in that division. But, like, it's not going to be a train wreck. I don't know that Mac Jones is going to be a fantasy option this year, except no. in deep two quarterback leagues. But he's going to be a much better NFL quarterback this year, and he's going to be good enough to get – the Hunter Henrys of the world, the Ramondre Stevensons, the Juju Smith-Schusters. He's going to be able to keep the offense competent enough to have fantasy production for the skilled players we care about. Yep, and in Mac Jones's rookie year, Hunter Henry was tight end 10 on the season. Had nine Thank touchdowns, you. and that is in the realm of possibilities, clearly. Thank you. Barry, you brought up in your updated rankings, Luke Musgrave is going to make a jump. Will he be the highest-rated rookie tight end or still behind the likes of Dalton Kincaid or Sam Laporta? I think I'll move him ahead of Laporta, which is crazy to think about. I mean, like it, he'll be right there with Laporta. i got to crunch the numbers. I, I can't put him ahead of Kincaid, obviously, because we expect Kincaid, in essence, to be the yeah. slot receiver. Um, with a better quarterback. Uh, you know, with a, with a better quarterback and a better offense. But, I mean, Laporta is... We expect Laporta to be the starting tight end, but again, like the, the Lions, in theory, once Jamison Williams comes back, and I know he's already banged, you know, that, I think there's a there's less target competition for Luke Musgrave in Green Bay than there is for Sam Laporta in Detroit, because Sam Laporta is going to have to deal with Amon Ross, St. Brown, and Jameer Gibbs, if not, you know, potentially at some point Jamison Williams and Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones. Don't laugh. Right now. <laughs> Marvin Jones is a professional wide receiver. Josh Reynolds had some moments last year. Whereas after Christian Watson in Green Bay, you know, you've got Aaron Jones out of the backfield. But it's like, you know, I mean, like, it's Romeo Dobbs. It's like Jaden Reed. It's I, it's There's a much better opportunity, I think, path to a bigger target share for Luke Musgrave. And again, like, just the – it's all training camp hype. But, like, it's kind of eye-popping seeing some of these clips out of Packers camp in yep. terms of – and. And, like, the speed's not a joke. I mean, coming out of college, Connor. Insanely fast. Six foot six and can run like that. He can almost run like a wide receiver at that height. And the fact he was drafted in the second round, the usage in practice, he's on the field with the start. Like, this is their tight end, right? Right. And, yes, they drafted two tight ends, but this is the guy, and he is not a blocker. So, if he's on the field all the time, say what you want about LaFleur. He's a good coach, and he's been a really good coach. And uh, he'll understand that. He needs to use him as a pass. So, coach. like, uh, my, my buddy Dwayne McFarland, who does a bunch of great job, job for FantasyLife.com, he does his utilization report, right? And so he looks at utilization. He just said, like, Luke Musgrave played almost every single snap with the starters in the, in, the, uh, in the preseason game for the Packers, right? And I expect a similar usage. Again, like, there was a clip the other day where they, they used Luke Musgrave on a jet sweep. Yeah, which and, is wild. And the, and whatever, it went for, like, seven yards. But, like, that's the guy they're – the guy that, you know, that normally you, you see in Tyreek Hill, like the guy the Packers are using on a jet sweep is freaking Luke Musgrave because he is that fast. And so, like, good luck to a linebacker keeping up with that. 
All right, we're going to take our last break. When we're back, it's last call. Mailbag time. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Vanguard, you're more than just an investor. You're an owner. That means your priorities are Vanguard's too. So whether you're planning for retirement or trying to save up for your next big adventure, Vanguard will work alongside you to set personalized investment goals. That's the value of ownership. All investing is subject to risk. Vanguard is owned by its funds, which are owned by Vanguard's fund shareholder clients. Vanguard Marketing Corporation Distributor. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Get the Roto World Fantasy Football Draft Guide. Go to NBCSports.com slash draft guide and use promo code Barry20 for 20% off at checkout. Or you can use Connor 5. Or J10. J10. It would be nice if somebody used J10. Because like a lot of people are using Barry 20. Some are using Connor 5, and there's like one person using J10. Um, And it's weird. They had the last name of Croucher, and they lived in the Stanford, Connecticut area. If you use Lawrence DPJ, you get a mystery discount. <laughs> you get no, I, Lawrence will come to your house. <laughs> Lawrence, Lawrence will come <laughs> to your house and a Donovan so will, People so Jones. And Donovan People Jones, Jones will come as well. Yes, exactly. Yeah, he'll he'll yeah. bring DPJ with yeah. him. Yeah. Right. Lawrence is a star of social media. Yes, he, he is. really is. Yes, he is. I was just saying. Right. I would just say uh, Lawrence's Instagram is fun. Tread you carefully, check it out. Matthew. Tread yes. carefully. Let's get to the mailbag. Yeah, uh, we got plenty of mailbag questions. Thanks to everybody that sent them. And the first one here for you, Barry. All right, what do we got? Is from Dave. He said, "How does a 14-team league change your outlook for position scarcity? Specifically, should tight end become more valuable early on?" So, yes and no. I don't mean, and I'm going to tell you. So, yes, obviously, because, because in a 14-team league, you're going to um, – somebody like Kelsey becomes more valuable. And yet, I actually want to move away from that. Because the problem is, is that if you go with Kelsey, you'd be amazed in a 14-team league how quickly other positions dry up. Yeah. Like, you're going to have a hole somewhere in a 14-team league. And I think it's easier to replace that hole, believe it or not, at the tight end position um, with a lot of the guys that we just went through today – then it will be there. I'll give you an example. So I just want to give a shout-out to my buddy, Jack Attack, Jack Poznak. Anyone that followed me at ESPN knows I, I've written about the Jack Attack Fantasy Football League. We did an SC featured about him. So my buddy, Jack Attack, they had the, the I don't know, it's probably at the, like the fifth annual Jack Attack Fantasy Football League last night. And so I zoomed in. I always, I always call in and say hi. And it, this year it's expanded to a 14-team league. And so Jack had, like, the second pick. And so he took Jamar Chase, like, um, in the first round. But by the time it came back around to him, just his second pick, and he was just so he had Jamar Chase, Kelsey's up the board, and he's asked me who he should take at running back. Like, his best choices in the second round of a 14-team league were Najee Harris mm. and Ramondre Stevenson. Yep. I told him Ramondre. But, I mean, just to give you an idea, like, that's how quickly it thins out. No one wants, you know, not – Ramondre Stevenson's much better as your RB2, not your RB1. 
Najee Harris is probably better as your RB3, not yeah. your RB1. But, like, again, 14-team leagues thin out quickly, so I actually would want to go away from Kelsey because I think he'll be chasing multiple positions as opposed to just one, if that makes sense. Yeah, you're more comfortable ending up with David Njoku or Gerald Everett or Jawan Johnson as your tight end one than you are Najee Harris as your RB1. I that's think. right. Yeah. That's, that's exactly right. Or, you know, as Devontae Smith as your wide receiver yep. one. We like Devontae Smith, but not, not as your wide receiver one. Indeed. All right. This next question, Jay, we'll start with you. This question is from Amiri. Um, in a three-wide receiver league, do you think there's enough running back depth of upside after round three where I can go Sun God, Wilson, Alave to start my draft if the opportunity presents itself? Like, is a Pierce-Connor combo good enough as my top two running backs? I think so, if you've got that much talent at receiver there. Uh, and Pierce, other guys in that kind of range later on, like Cam Akers as well. If you've got elite talent at the three wide receiver spots, you're getting three wide receivers who are going to be in the top 15 or so, and then you end up with Pierce and Akers as your two running backs, I think you're fine. Yeah, I mean, look, both those guys are going to get a ton of volume. Pierce and Connor, two of, they're two of my favorite guys to sort of target because I think they're – because the teams they're on are bad, but they're still going to get massive volume. I think they're both obviously talented running backs. And again, in a three-wide receiver league, um, having those three as you're starting, like, that's just awesome. This is a really good year to do zero RB or modified zero RB, which is what that start would be. And zero RB doesn't mean, for people who are unfamiliar with the phrase or just hear it tossed about without really getting any context, it doesn't mean you don't draft any any RBs. It just means, like, you wait a little while before you start drafting running backs. There's always going to be injuries, right? I mean... Jamal Williams is a really good, like, Jamal Williams is going to be a top 12 fantasy running back the first three weeks of the season. And then again, we have no idea about Kamara's health and his usage. Like, there's going to be guys, Samaj P. Ryan and Javante Williams are going outside, you know, kind of the top 15, right? There's, there's guys available. Like, I like both Cook brothers this year. I like James Cook quite a bit. He's going, you know, in the, in the mid-20s. Uh, we think Dalvin is going to get, you know, 12 to 14 touches right. on a good Jets offense, even when Brees is fully back there. So this is a good year for that kind of a start. Yep, Isaiah Pacheco, Rashad yeah. White. Like, these are starting running backs for teams, and you can get them outside the top 25 RBs. You brought up Jamal Williams. We have a very important Jamal Williams question as our next one, and this one is from, is that Lily underscore? Yeah, yeah. something. Okay. At Jason okay. underscore Mioza 25. There we go. Jay's got the read on the actual <laughs> handle. Jamal Williams said he was not a fan of beignets, and they are just funnel cakes. How does that affect his rankings? Barry, we'll start with you. You feel like you're yeah, it's, this here. is the whole thing. I once went to New Orleans and I took a I, I took a picture of uh, of a beignet, and it was an awful picture. It was I basically here's what happened. Now I can finally reveal the story about the beignet photo. Is that um, I wanted to take a photo of beignets, but then I I ate my beignets. So what I did is I just I literally I was like, oh, there's a picture of beignets, you know, like I was at Cafe Dumont, right? You know, I'm like, you know, I've got to take that. So I basically took my phone and I zoomed into somebody else's beignets <laughs> and just posted it without thinking. You can't do that. But well, it's really fuzzy, like it's not a good picture. And so Field Yates, my buddy Field, that I used to do my podcast with, Field was like, what the hell is that? <laughs> like that's the worst photo I've ever seen. And just the beignet photos became a big, big thing uh, for a number of years and a running joke on my old show. And, um, you know, so beignets have a special place in my heart. But you know who has even more of a special place in my heart is Jamal Williams, who is top five interview in the <laughs> oh NFL. God, incredible. Un- like, Same that guy should go Alexander. straight from the NFL to a reality show. Uh, he's amazing. It does not affect my rankings <laughs> of Jamal Williams as a fantasy football player, but perhaps it does affect um, my rankings of him as a dining partner. 
beignet is an American thing? I've never heard French. of a beignet. It's French. Yeah. Okay, well that makes sense. Beignet. French. It's, it's like it's it's, ba- it's like it's basically it. a donut without the hole, and it's got it's got powdered sugar on it, and it's a it's a big thing in New Orleans. It's okay. It, a little bit. <laughs> a little kind of. It's great though. The beignets are. I'm a big beignet fan. Okay. You like it so much no, that you a, ate it before even getting the yes, picture. Yes, before right. getting the photo. Like I just anyway, whatever. Let's get into another question here. This next one yeah. uh, from Malik who asked. Best two quarterback league draft strategy. My coworker is in a super flex league for the first time, and I've never been in one, so I don't have any advice to give him. <laughs> I love Fair. this question. Yeah, well done, Malik. Well, I mean, the answer is, is it comes down to your quarterbacks. Like, you know, you draft them early. Draft them early. <laughs> you, you know, your first end. round will be mostly filled with quarterbacks, and so I think you in a two quarterback league, you can wait on the other positions because. Quarterbacks obviously score the most fantasy points of anyone. And so the idea of a two-quarterback league was designed because all the late-round quarterback stuff where you're just like, how is it that you know Patrick Mahomes, who if real NFL teams threw all their players back and did a draft, Patrick Mahomes would be the number one overall pick. But in a fantasy league, Patrick Mahomes is going in the fourth round, which makes no sense. So two quarterback leagues were designed to make quarterbacks more valuable, and they do. The issue is, is they make them insanely valuable. Right. It's all about the quarterbacks. Like, if you have two very good quarterbacks, the rest of your team can be mediocre. Like, it just – so that's the, that's the biggest thing is that, you know, like if you start quarterback, quarterback, like that's not a weird thing. Yep. In, in a two-quarterback league. I would say the one thing is that there is often a rush or you're stressed to get the second quarterback in. This year, I wouldn't worry so much about that because I think the difference between Bryce Young, who's going QB 19, and then guys like you know Mac Jones, Jordan Love, who are going QB 26, QB 28, not that that significant. Well, and even the, even bef- even higher than that, right? I mean, like the Derek Carrs, Kirk Cousins sure. that are going like the you know 11, 12 range, that kind of stuff, the 13, 14. Yeah, I, there. I, I would agree. I would agree with that. I wouldn't want to go that deep. I wouldn't want to go to Bryce Young, Mac Jones territory. But I like Sam Howell. I like Kenny Pickett. Yeah, you know that kind of stuff. We got a bar theme question. I want to get in here before we uh, before we close the show. This is from Sean. In mixed drinks, which garnish would the cast consider S tier? Limes, lemon, Vegemite, other? Um, I mean, Vegemite. Vegemite's a good Vegemite, way to, good way to get on the show. I, yeah, I would not. I would not. Yes, it is. I, I don't want Vegemite in a cocktail. I don't want Vegemite, period. Period. Vegemite's objectively bad. Like, yeah. It just doesn't taste good. It was designed because it carries in the war and stuff. Like, it's right. not something that you really want to go out of your way to eat. We, so. We've grown past Vegemite. Vegemite. Like the I know some people claim that they like it, but uh, I, don't, I don't buy I, that just, whatsoever. I, but listen, I, you listen, people know like I'm a margarita guy. You know, I'm, I'm a Jimmy Buffett guy. Limes are crucial to me. Yes. I'm a big lime guy. It's an S tier. Lime, is, lime is my number one. It's an S tier garnish. Yeah. Without a doubt. Well, lemon. All right. Want to sneak one more in? Sure, let's sneak, do it. Let's quick. sneak one more in quick. Hello, Matthew. I'm having a hard time pulling the trigger on Bijan because of the coaching staff. Arthur Smith recently said that they don't want to overwork any of the running backs. Why is everyone so high on Bijan when he might be split? Because carries? he's insanely talented. He's going to touch the ball a lot, and he can do it in a bunch of different ways. Don't get me wrong. Don't get it twisted. Drop Bijan. Even Arthur Smith can't ruin this. Yes, even Arthur Smith can't ruin Bijan. Listen, it's closing time, which means you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here for Jay and Connor. I'm Matthew. Peace out. Have a great weekend. At Vanguard, you're more than just an investor. You're an owner. That means your priorities are Vanguard's too. So whether you're planning for retirement or trying to save up for your next big adventure, Vanguard will work alongside you to set personalized investment goals. That's the value of ownership. All investing is subject to risk. Vanguard is owned by its funds, which are owned by Vanguard's fund shareholder clients. 
Vanguard Marketing Corporation Distributor. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.